Before I get to my next guest, Frank Nabilo, I want to remind you about Two Under, men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. All right. Now back and next on the tee with me is former PGA Tour Pro and now another one of the great broadcasters we have in our game, and that's Frank Nabilo. Let me remind you a little bit about Frank's background. He's from Auckland, New Zealand. At the age of 18, Frank won the New Zealand Amateur Championship, becoming the second youngest player to ever win that title. He turned pro in 1979. His first professional win came at the 1982 New South Wales PGA Championship. He won the New Zealand PGA Championship twice in 1985 and 87, joined the European Tour in 1985, and got his first win on that tour at the 88 PLM Open. Frank won 14 times around the world, including two Saracen World Opens and the 1997 Greater Greensboro Chrysler Classic here on the PGA Tour. He was a member of the International President's Cup team three times. In the mid-90s, Frank recorded top 10 finishes in all four majors. He joined the Golf Channel back in 2004 and was a lead analyst for their PGA Tour coverage, plus their in-studio shows Golf Central and Live From. He's now a fantastic analyst for CBS Sports, and I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Frank, how are you? Great, thanks, uh, Chris. Susie Whaley, what a tough act to follow. So um, <laughs> I, I love her, right? Yeah, don't be a hater, but um, her energy is just absolutely infectious. But yeah, great to chat to you, Chris. I appreciate it, Frank. So I, I got to imagine right about now you're starting preparation for the Masters. How do you go about doing that every year? Uh, I panic is normally the, <laughs> the first thing you do. No, you, you, you do. It's one of those events that uh, I, I think the easiest way to put it is you overthink. Um, because you're getting excited. It, it's, it was great to play in the Masters, first and foremost. But the next best thing, I, and I promise you I'm not lying, is to cover. Because you realize that when you're part of a team, and I think we're an extremely good team, and you get up there and everybody's prepared, um, and we're led by Stella Shine now, and, and, and obviously the lead man is, is Jim Nance. So, so it's just you, you get better by osmosis. But, you know, we've been on these sort of uh, Twitter, ch- not Twitter change, text chain, uh, for the last month or so. So since the West Coast swing, which ex- went extremely well, not just the golf, but also our coverage and some of the things we try to do, everybody's kept 
kept um, you know the, the sort of kept company and, and just sort of say, hey, what do you, you know, what's going on? If somebody sees something new in the uh, in the news, they forward it on. So already at the moment, uh, the biggest thing is trying to get Kurt Kitayama's name right more than anything because you know, he's starting <laughs> to play really well. And and there's been about I don't know ten or twelve iterations of his name. So we want to get that button down. But no, it's great. So you you know you get excited. Um, I get all my yardage books together, and, and I just look forward to it. Frank, I had the, the the privilege of talking to Michael Collins, the comedian and former tour caddy, now a broadcaster and analyst for ESPN and Sirius XM. I talked to him yesterday and I asked him, I said, what's it feel like to be at Augusta National and on those grounds? And he said, it's like church on Easter Sunday, Christmas <laughs> Eve and Christmas Day all rolled into one versus every other Sunday. And I thought that was a pretty interesting take. Does it feel kind of like that for you when you get on the property? Yeah, it is. You know, when you get invited to a function and you see it and it goes, you know, what's what's the attire? And you see black tie, right? And you go, oh, I don't know if I really want to get dressed up, right? But you you make the effort, put the shoes on, they're all nicely polished, you get your best suit out. And then you go there and everybody was the saying that we say is dressed to the nines. And you realize you're part of something that everybody has made an effort. So I think, you know, Michael's uh, his opinion of, of what it's like is great. I guess it is like church. Not everybody goes to church. I used to, not as much these days. But um, yeah, I, I think it's like going to a function. Number one, you're happy to get the invite, and then, like I said, when you get dressed up and ready to go, you re- you realize it's special because everybody makes the effort that week. Players, announcers. I know we say patrons that week. Uh, you know the green staff. I don't care if it rain, hails, or shine, because each different type of weather brings a different type of masters. And sometimes it is the, def- the definition of who actually wins that year. Frank, I want to get your thoughts on what we can expect to see now that some of the live players are going to be back as part of the tournament. I, I have to wonder what it might be like at the champions dinner Tuesday night, when you've got a lot of the former champions that have been over on live now back in there. And then when it comes time to play and they get announced on the first tee, do you think it's going to be, Weird, different. How do you think that's going to go? Yeah, well, it can't be normal. Uh, you know, I think it's crazy to think that it's going to be normal. Uh, I think they'll try and sort of bury the hatchet a little bit, you know, put to the side. Uh, Nick Valdo was in town about a month ago, so we were just chatting about that when he was here. I uh, spoken to Trevor Emmerman, who's the lead analyst now, who's, who's taken over from, from Nick. Both of those uh, two will actually be at the Champions Dinner. And You'd like to think out of respect for the champion, Scotty Scheffler, that everybody will make an effort to be cordial. But there are, you know, there were, a line was drawn. So I know when I've been to dinners and, and you know, you've had a beef with someone, it's, it's not comfortable. And, and invariably, someone's going to spill the beans and say something. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, that will be the spice before the first tee shot is set in earnest on Thursday. But it will add to it. This will be a unique one. I remember the COVID. Masters, where Dustin Johnson won the November Masters. And it was so different because the fact that there was no one there to watch it. So we we had to do the broadcast differently. This, once again, will be a first. And we'll try and get it right. Uh, each player deserves to be there, whether you like the tool they play on or not. And so when they tee off the first, you know, they're, they're, they have a chance like and a dream, like everybody else, to win the Masters for the first time, the second time, whatever the case may be for them. And the same thing will be on on Sunday for the lucky ones that do have a chance to do that. So they deserve the respect of everybody there. And and I think hopefully we can just put a little bit to to be uh, to the side. But I think for the viewer, 
it's going to create that energy that they know that there's going to be something. So it will, you know, it's like a fight, you know, like a boxing fight. If it, if it has to be well sold, then you really do need, like Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali used to do, you have to need to fight promoted. It's this Masters, it promoted itself. You have, um, you have, we are going to have the best field assembled all year in the story. And, and I think that alone um, means it's got us going. I know because we're going to try and do the best broadcast we can. What do you think the fan reception is going to be like out on the golf course? I mean, Phil's been a fan favorite forever. Do you think he gets any less love? Do you think the other players, do they get jeered? Do they get cheered? What do you think it's going to be like out there during the course of the tournament? I think you're going to get both, uh, you know, Chris, but, but you're right. You know, in some respects, you know, I've seen the two sides to Phil. I think the last time we chatted, we talked about that. But, you know, that was before Liv. Um, you know, Phil's all of those things. But as a golfer, you know, he's done some amazing things. So this is still a, a you know, one of, one of the premier events in the world. Some say it's the one to win. Uh, you know, for Hideki Matsuyama to be, to be the first male winner of the Masters, it's huge. And that forever and a day, that's special in this country. You know, Phil to, to you know, as what Mike Weir did, you know, left-handers and Bubba Watson, there's two left-handers that are obviously they're going to be from Liv. I mean, what they did was special. So there'll be some people that will take, the, it'll take them down memory lane, what they were like. Maybe they, they took up golf that year when, when either Bubba or Phil uh, won, won their first Masters. Um, for some people, they don't like the decision they made just over 12 months ago. So it is going to be a mixed bag, but but in the end, you know, sporting events, um, you need a bit of a grudge match. We're going to get that, and and I think normally what that does that brings a a a better form of golf. I, I think you're going to have people on both sides of the fence there that are going to push really really hard, and hopefully that extracts some amazing golf, and then golf wins. I want golf to win. There. I want that to be the story. So Frank, what are your thoughts about the the elongation of? 13 and the extra 35 yards that they move the tee back. Do you think it's going to impact the player's ability to make Eagles and make a charge on Sunday? Yeah, it will. It will. And it should. Um, I remember as a kid growing up, um, you know, the 75 masters, I've, I've, I've said it a lot. It's the masters that I'll always remember. Jack Nicholas, Tom Weiskopf and Johnny Miller. They're the three people that really got me into golf, just watching them. And seeing players like that have to make the decision. I remember Curtis coming to 13. Flipping the cap when he hit the water. I know Curtis won't, won't want me to bring that up again, but that's what you want to see. You want to see come Sunday, Saturday, when somebody's making a move, when they stand in the fairway, and it's not just a wedge or a nine iron or an eight iron like it's been for some of the players. That it's going to be, you know, as Scotty Scheffler said, he's got to hit three wood because he can't draw the draw the drive around the corner. So he's going to have somewhere in the vicinity of you know 220 yards. So for him, it's four or five iron, and that's a decision. Because the lie, the ball always tends to sit a little tighter at Augusta. Uh, invariably, you're not going to get a flat lie, and you're going to look at that. The tributary that runs across the front of 13 runs on an angle, and, and then you're going to look at where the, where the hole's cut that week, where that flag sticks up, and then it's going to be a decision. And it's going to cost someone the Masters. And, and that's a proper par five. And, and sadly, it had been slowly taken away. Augusta thought long and hard. And I know they wanted the USJ and the RNA to act. Um, and, you know, a, a lot's happened over the last 15 or 20 years. But to find another 35 yards, that was great. But it involved buying some some land from Augusta Country Club. But it's going to make the hole more the way it should be. And I think the fan at home and the patron on property is going to love to see the best players in the world have to hit a club other than a short iron into that hole. 
it, yes. I think it's going it, to, it's going to, it's the one shot I'm looking forward to this year, the second shot there. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with that more. So let's talk about the ball issue. Everyone's all abuzz about this thing. Was it the right thing to do or is it the wrong thing to do? I think it's the right thing. Sadly, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, I, th I think if you, if you actually went inside the manufacturers' warehouses and saw all the R&D, you'd realize there's so much been at play over the last 25, 30 years. Um, I don't know where you start, but you know, the USGA, the RNA, I think they'd be the first to admit they've let this slide. The problem is golf's been the loser. And, and now, you know, we live in an era where we can't, we can't discuss anything. Normally, you know, you look at politics, right? You're on one side or the other. There's nothing in the middle anymore. And sadly, in politics, most people would agree if there was a party that represented that bit in the middle. And I think if you really talked to people about golf and sat them down and said, look, you know, it's not like you're going to go up 50 yards. I've talked to the USGA and I think for the recreational player, um, with what they're proposing in 2026, it's like five yards. But if five yards keeps golf, keeps golf, um, maybe a little more affordable, um, it means that, you know, your golf course doesn't have to be lengthened anymore. You know, like at least it, it really is a definitive line in the sand. But, you know, the metal wood, you know, if, if you really double down and look at equipment, when I was a kid, Chris, and I know I could probably talk browse on this, but I, I bought my equipment on the brand, what my favorite player used or someone I looked up to in my first, set of golf clubs were Patty Berg, Wilson. Wilson was a great brand. I didn't buy them because they went five yards further or 10 yards further. The same with a golf ball. You know, I bought, I bought a Titleist because that's what I thought everybody else was using when I was a kid and I could finally use the big ball. And then sadly, it's all changed to where, you know, we buy performance. And golf is a game of skill, but we've sold performance for a long period of time now. So I applaud what they're trying to do. I know it's going to make a lot of people unhappy, but I love the game too much. I think it's a great game for everybody, male or female, kid or old person. And, and I just really think we are going down a street um, if something's not done that has a dead end on the end of it. So I know people think it's fun right now, but, you know, it's it's fun driving at 100 miles an hour too, but that car's going to come off the road sometime. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, you mentioned the word skill. And I had Hal Sutton on the show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things that Hal said, when you guys played, Hitting the ball straight meant something. I mean, you guys were playing the lot of balls and that sort of thing. Those things spun, you know, way out of control if you, if you, you know, didn't hit it perfectly square. So the, the premium on driving straight seems to be lost. And then the skill of, of golf, it shouldn't just be all about bombing. You gotta, you guys, I mean, you guys had to curve it around, you know, a dog leg. You had to hit it high over a tree. You had to, Kind of feather it in, you know, from, from, you know, different points on the fairway. It, it, there was a skill in being able to make the ball do what you needed it to do versus just bombing it. You know, we hear the term bomb, the phrase bomb and gout, but mm -hmm. being able to hit other irons in your bag and hit those long irons, like you mentioned on 13 now. I mean, that was all part of the game. That was part of the skill of the game. I feel like we've lost that. Yeah, yeah, we have, uh, if we're going to be brutally honest. You look at baseball, right? If it was just about hitting home runs all the time, I think people would get bored. You know, it, but you just got to hit a bigger home run. So there's so many different facets to it. Look at basketball now, too. You know, the fadeaway two-pointer's gone, really, because, you know, analytics have got involved and they realize that, uh, I was reading about it the other day, you know, if you make, for example, like 60%, you know, your shots inside the key there, that you average, you know, 1.2 points every shot. 
Um, and then if you shoot a fadeaway, you make less than 50, 50%. So therefore, you only make one point of shot. And so therefore, you should shoot three pointers because if you shoot 40%, then it's 1.2 again. So, you know, we've, we've changed the way in which we played game uh, and sports. So, so when you look at golf, you're right. Um, but one thing I will, I will disagree a little bit just with Hal is that the long hitters always had the advantage, and they should. If you're long and straight, you should always be rewarded. But I think to Hell's point, if you were crooked, you were punished because of the size of the driver now and also the golf courses. I know people want more rough. That doesn't, that doesn't make any difference. Bunkers are already in the rough. So, you know, so what do you want to do? Have, have no design characteristics whatsoever on a golf course? Just have 25 yard wide fairways and everything rough. And I mean, you're taking the beauty out of the game. And someone said you should bring trees in. Well, you know, you, yeah, if, if, a tree, if a course is too wooded and tree lined, Grass doesn't grow properly. It needs sunlight. You get more diseases. So there's a lot of things from an agronomy, agronomy point of view you've got to do. So then the playing of the game, you know, there's 14 clubs that you put in a bag. And, and I remember when I came out, I remember seeing like Jack Nichols at one arm, even Sam Sneed actually. And it was a thing of beauty. And then they invented the utility club, which I think is phenomenal for the recreational player. It's great. But it also helped the elite player because if you weren't a good long arm player, you put a utility club in. Um, if you weren't a good wedge player, well, you put a lob wedge in. You know, there's so many, so many things that are good for golf, but really change the way in which the elite player play. And I think, you know, the, the, the final straw really that nearly broke the camel's back was when they, well, we've doubled the size of the driver. The wooden driver was equivalent to about 190 cc's. They're using a, you know, 460 cc drivers, twice the size. That's so a frying pan. And so that, that doesn't punish the miss. There's, you should be allowed to hit the ball a long way. But if the best player is errant, then, then he should be have trouble finding that golf ball. And I, and I think everybody finds its own level. The best player should be the longest player, but they should have to be damn good. And, and at the moment, you know, we are getting a little bit of a stereotypical game. Um, and it's a shame because I don't blame the players either because they're doing the best they can with the equipment they're using. And they're doing a really good job of it. But if you make them play... A, a slightly different way. They're, they're that good. They can do it. Will Zelatoris, I think, played last year somewhere in Dallas, grabbed a, a wooden woods, set of old irons and a blada ball or the equivalent of, and he broke par. So these guys can do it. We're just not making them or not allowing them to do it. You mentioned the size of the club head. Is that something you think they should be looking into as well, reducing the size of the driver club head? Well, I think that's where, if you could have an honest conversation, which I know is hard to do these days, with with the equipment manufacturer, they know that how they know how they got their equipment to pass tests because you know the the USGA and the RNA has admitted that they tested at much lower ball speed, sorry, uh, clubhead speed, and consequently, you know, as long as the ball went a certain speed off the club, it passed. But what about when you swung it faster? Um, they knew how to get past those tests. And, and so really you need someone that's either retired from that industry to really help and, and tell us the truth is what's gone on. But you've only got to look back. I, I think a, a, a statistician on the tour, sorry, statistician uh, called Lou Stagno, 1980, um, there wasn't a single player on the PGA Tour that averaged uh, more than 275 yards. Now in uh, 2020 or 2022 last year, there wasn't a single, play, single player that was under 275 yards. So something changed. We know that. You should evolve, but not that much. Um, always going to be short at this. But if, if you could do, you know, at least make the driver bring the COR down a little bit. Uh, would you know? I think you still want to help the amateur player. 
Um, but they've done it in other sports, tennis, you know, baseball, um, you know, when they found out people caught bats, all sorts of things. So, so there is a way. Um, but I, th- I think you need you need proper discussion. You actually do need people to tell the truth on what's been happening, how they've managed to create equipment that, that's really blown past um, and, and, and really helped the elite play. Because it hasn't really helped the average 20, 25 handicapper or, or you know, 18 handicapper, or even single digit handicapper. It hasn't given them a lot of an advantage, but put it in the hands of a really good player. It's given them a massive advantage. Frank, one more before I let you go, and I got to go back to the Masters, get your pick. I, I know we're we're kind of at a at a place where I feel like we're getting into a new era, big three with with Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy and uh, John Rahm. It feels like those guys have essentially traded the world number one ranking back and forth so far this year. Do you think those three are the guys at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, or do you like someone else? Yeah, that's obviously, you know, if you're a bookie, that's what you're going to look at. But I, I love the way you said new era because if you went back to every every era of Augusta, uh, because Augusta is a known quantity and, and people know the golf course so well, especially the star players, they normally have an advantage. But, you know, look when Spieth won, um, for an example. You know, I could see like a, a new Jordan Spieth. Now, I don't know who that is. You know, even someone like Tagala, I know he's yet to win, but but I could also see if we're given inclement conditions, a bit like when Mike Weir won back in 2003 and he won it with a wedge, really, laying up on the par fives. You know, I, I could see like a Victor Hovland or you know, even a Tyrrell Hatton, um, you know, Tony Finau getting his first majors. I know that's, I mean, they're still world-class players. You know, Will Zelatoris, everybody talks about the fact that he can't putt and all that, which isn't true. I mean, he's finished second there. So, you know, you have so many guys. We're going to look at the logical guys at the top of the leader, top of the world rankings or, or top of the FedEx Cup. But um, they, they're going to take all the media requests. They're going to, they're going to be in that interview every single day, single day. But, you know, if you go through the list of winners over the years, there's always a year or two. So I'm actually looking for the guy, you know, who's the, who's that guy that, I don't know, 25th, 30th in the world, that, that sort of level, um, that could, you know, that could turn around and, and just have, have a great week. Cause we've got a lot of players, you know, that could be a Cameron Young too. Cameron Young, um, he's already been second in two major championships. And and he's played well enough. I don't know. He lost in the final just the other day, and some people say we got beat convincingly six and five. But you know he beat Scotty Scheffler, and uh, you know he, he was very very close in the Open Championship last year. So you know don't sleep on one of those guys just because they're not the logical you know first round pick in that because Augusta has a habit of all of a sudden giving you a new champion and a new star. Cam was uh, Susie's pick, by the way, too, as as a. As a guy that would emerge, so you guys are on yeah. the same page. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I think that's I, honestly, I think it's good because you you normally look. Someone has to be informed because Augusta does that for you. It's such a pressure cooker. Greens are quick. You know, you see your name on the leaderboard. Uh, it, it's a different feel. Um, but but you know, Cam hits the ball beautifully. I love the fact that his natural shots right to left. So a lot of the big holes there, holes like thirteen, the key. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholas used to say, "There's only six shots really that you've got to hit well." around Augusta. I thought it was more than that, but it's like the tee shot, you know, the tee shot at two, um, because you've got to work it around the corner. There is a little creek down there, even though you don't see it. You know, the the second into 11, tee at 12, second into 13, and uh, second into 15. He said, you know, apart from that, he said, this is his words, not mine. The course course sort of comes to you, but when you look at it, they are the key shots that you have to hit. And the winners over the years, that's where they've come up, you know, they've come up trumps. So, you know, for a younger guy, um, you need a bit of length, 
the, the course is wide enough. It gives you the chance. You need to have nerve. There's some guys there that are, they know they're good enough. And so why not? One of them, a good friend of mine used to say, someone's going to wake up feeling good on Sunday. And it might not be a household name. Frank, before I let you go, remind our listeners again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media. Well, I'm not I'm not as active as a lot of people, but yeah, just Frank underscore uh, Novolo or at Frank underscore Novolo. Oh, but you know, if they send me a send me a question, I'll certainly answer it. But yeah, you'll see I'm doing uh, eleven Thursday Fridays in that Golf Channel, which is good. There, that's where I cut my teeth. But um, the CBS weeks, but yeah, I'll be doing every CBS event and uh, and looking forward to it. You know, with uh, we've got a great bunch. Uh, they're rejuvenated, but you know we're trying to do the best job for the fan at home. We really are. So, and, you, and you're doing a great yeah. job of it. So I, I appreciate. Hey, so are you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that, Frank. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I'm going to look forward to listening to your call on the Masters next week, and uh, looking forward, hopefully, getting the privilege of having you back on the show again soon. No, it's a pleasure to be on the 19th off. Thanks, Chris. Take care. See you, Frank. That's a great Frank Nabilo, folks. And I tell you what, I, I encourage all of you to go back and look up Frank and look at his Wikipedia page and look at his, his playing career. It was outstanding. And then now as an, as an announcer, I think Frank is one of the all time greats. I think we're going to be putting him in the broadcast hall of fame before he's done. And he's just an outstanding individual on top of all of that. I look forward to having Frank back on the show again soon. 